Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I want to talk to you today um, about how to react when God shows up. Uh, We're in the book of Judges in chapter 13. If you have a Bible, you can get there. Uh, Sometimes in life, um, I don't know how your mind works and kind of how your experience is, but sometimes in life you realize something's happening. And uh, we're not always as aware, I don't know if you've kind of gotten to this place yourself, where uh, we're not always as good at perceiving things as maybe we think we are. So sometimes, like, I don't know, maybe I don't realize how stressed I'm feeling until I notice that I'm not sleeping as well. I don't realize how maybe, uh, like, the seasons are messing with me until I sort of, like, I'm like, man, I really keep snapping at these kids. But on the, it's on the positive side, too. Sometimes it feels like I'm doing all the same stuff that I used to do, but I'm getting more benefit out of it. Or good things seem to happen even increasingly. I'm making the same number of calls, but there's more sales. This kind of thing. Part of uh, loving God and part of following God and part of serving him is paying attention to when he's working and how he's working and reacting to that in a good and healthy way. That's what uh, the book of Judges in chapter 13 is about. It's the start of the story of Samson. We've been going through the book of Judges uh, for quite a while here now on Sundays. I'm excited we've made it. um, It's maybe the most well-known story. He's the guy with the long hair, and he's real muscular, like the rock, you know, that whole thing. This is him, and we've made it to his story. Uh, It starts like this, Judges 13, chapter 1, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. If you're new today, we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, If you've been journeying with us along this verse probably looks kind of familiar to you because we've seen this before, haven't we? We've seen this thing before, and then you know the next thing, I'm going to walk this way, and I'm going to point, and we're going to put this picture on the screen of this cycle because we've been doing this now, which tap yourself on the back if you like recognize that. Hey, you've been at church, you're recognizing. Uh, this book of Judges is written in such a beautiful, artful way that its theme is so relentless that you can't miss it. And so it says, when it says there that the people did what was evil again in the sight of the Lord, it's supposed to kind of click like, bing, 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 got it. Okay, we're doing this again. This is this cycle of sin, which leads to oppression. Eventually, oppression gets so bad that the people of Israel corporately and individually turn back to God in repentance. And then um, God, because of his kindness, delivers those people. And then there's a period of peace. And eventually the peace leads them to forget the God who brought them the peace in the first place. And so they fall back into the sin again. That's what's happening here. When it says, And the people of Israel did again what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, interestingly, in this cycle, because not only uh, horizontally are the people of Israel going round and round, they're also going lower and lower and worse and worse. 
In this cycle, the Israelites display little discomfort or evidence of even wanting to be delivered. This is how you know, uh, if you've ever been in this place yourself or talked to someone who is, you know that someone is really in a bad space when they don't even see how bad it is and even have the instinct to get out of it. Like you get around people and you're like, uh, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you get around people and you hear them talk about what the relationship they're in is like. And you're like, if he ever talked to me like that, like one time, he would never talk to me on the phone again. But she talks about it like it's normal. When you get around people where they don't even see anymore how bad it is, that's where the people of Israel have gotten to after generations and generations and generations of this. So it says now in verse 2 that there was a certain man of Zorah, uh, the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife, it says, was barren. And had no children. In the ancient world, the inability of a wife to bear children often made her vulnerable to her husband's whims. For in ancient times, the marriage contract between a man and a father-in-law often allowed for her to be divorced on the grounds of the inability to have children. Uh, you see in so many places in the way that our world has functioned over generations, the predisposition towards unkindness to women. The assumption in the ancient world was if the couple can't have children, that must be the fault of the woman. Uh, modern medicine, which if you just think in the whole history of the world, only in the last maybe 100 years or so does medicine have the ability to figure out that medically speaking, the inability to conceive, maybe the man, it may be the woman, it may be all kinds of different things. Sometimes the doctor's like, I don't know what to tell you. There's all kinds of things happening there, but in this time period, uh, when it says that the wife was barren and had no children, the implication is there was something wrong with her. It was also uh, in the ancient world where they had a much more mystical um, instinct that barrenness was reckoned as punishment for an offense against the gods whose special domain was that of reproduction. A lot of the uh, pagan festivals that we see in the Old Testament are organized around praying to a god saying, will you help us bear children? That's what the writer of the story is doing, a play on words. By telling us the man's name but not telling us the woman's name, he's drawing attention to the inequity and equality of the world that they were both living in. Just think about what's going on in uh, the mind and hearts of people who've been taught from birth that when bad things happen to you, it's because God is mad at you. When things go badly in your life, it's because you messed up and so God is punishing you. Maybe you don't have to like imagine that. Maybe you're like, wait, I don't know. I, I didn't bring my mom to church today. Like, why are you talking about her right now? Maybe that's the way that you grew up. You were taught when things go bad, it's because you are bad. That has a way of really messing with a person's heart and spirit because then it's like, wait, I, I like read the Bible today. Why did I get a flat tire? And we've been working. We talk about this theme often of maturing out of the idea that when my life is going good, that means God is happy with me. When my life is going bad, it's because God is mad at me. No, God is happy and delighted in you as his child every single day that you wake up in the morning and loves you. And he loves you enough that sometimes he gives you consequences for your choices to help you grow. And sometimes bad things happen because he's giving you an opportunity to show the brightness of your faith in a way that makes a huge impact on the world. We're trying to always pull apart the idea that the way my life is going is an evidence of God's verdict on me. 
So that's all implied in the text here when it says there was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of Danites, uh, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. I'm going to try to speed up now for your sake and for mine. And the angel of the Lord, number three, verse three, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Behold, you're barren, and you've not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful, don't drink any wine or strong drink, and don't eat anything unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Notice that in this version of the cycle of the book of Judges, the people are not strong enough in faith to muster a deliverer of their own, so God just picks one. And he appears to a woman, we've talked about this before, uh, there's different ways of looking at it, but I believe, and I think it's best supported from Scripture, that when you see that phrase, angel of the Lord, that's Jesus showing up in the flesh before his time on earth. He shows up. Notice how often, by the way, this is good news uh, for the women among us. Notice how often the angel of the Lord shows up to, and appears to a woman first. And he says, now here's the deal. You don't have any children, but here's the great news. You're going to have a son, and it's not just going to be any son. It's going to be a child of promise. So he's going to follow some certain rules and laws, but also... He is going to be the one to save Israel from the hand of the Israelites. He is choosing someone, her son, to be a once-in-a-generation person to lead. Pretty exciting. So the woman comes and tells her husband, verse 6. She says, a man of God came to me, and, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. It was awesome. I didn't ask him where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he said to me, you're going to conceive and bear a son, so then drink no wine or strong drink. Don't eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Noah, notice it, it doesn't point out that he answered her. It just says, Noah prays to the Lord and says, Lord, can you let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we're to do with this child who's going to be born? And so God listened, it says, to the voice of Manoah, the angel of the Lord came to God again to the woman as she sat in the field. So, okay, get it. So the husband says, God, can you like, send me the same messenger? And, God, and it says that the Lord answered by sending the same messenger back to his wife again. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. I'm in verse 10 now. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now, when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to her, the woman, she says, Remember, I already told her. So what I told her to do, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine nor strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I have commanded to her, let her observe. So you're supposed to be picking up, if you're a careful reader, this tension that Manoah the husband keeps wanting to be talking to the messenger, and the messenger keeps pointing back to the fact that well, no, I already, told, I already gave her the instructions. 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 So I'm going to teach you the whole story, then I'm going to give you the points at the end. So stick with me now, and then you're going to get a great reward. Let's hope. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Manoah said, verse 15, to the angel of the Lord, Hey, can we like, keep you here, and we'll, uh, we'll make you some food? I'll give you my best goat. And the angel of the Lord said, verse 16, that If you make me stay, I'm not going to eat your food. But if you want to do a burnt offering, then give it to the Lord. It says, for Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. I'm in verse 17 now. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come true, we can honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, 
Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? I'll just pause there. I resonate. Does it drive you crazy that everywhere you go now, everyone's always asking for your information? Does anyone else have this experience of like, can I just buy a bagel without like giving you my social security number? It just like, it just, it drives me. Does anyone else, am I the only person that feels this way? He's like, can I, can I, can I know your name? Can I know your name so that I can like tell everybody? And he's like, I'm going to try this one. Why do you ask my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. I might try that at Panera the next time I'm there. So I just, I don't know, just an apple or a chips or bread. Just stop asking me questions. I'm just trying to get my food and get back to my day. Like I'm already at Panera. It's obviously not that great of a day. Can you just, that's, anyway. Okay. So, so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and he offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. Watch this, verse 20. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. That's what happens when God shows up. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Verse 22, then Manoah said to his wife, we're going to die. We've seen God. But his wife said to him, well, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering in our hands or shown us all these things or like announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. Okay, we've gone through the text now. I want to show you healthy and unhealthy reactions to God showing up. This is the practical part now. And I think this is going to be useful to you. I hopeful it is. So what's interesting is we're reading the Bible, so we're expecting something interesting to happen. But for the people in the story, it was just like another day. She woke up on Tuesday, and God showed up to her and said, the thing that has been hurting the most, that thing that's so deep in your heart, guess what? Not only is it going to be dealt with and fixed and solved, it's going to be like totally amazing. And then the husband is kind of like just doing a Tuesday or whatever. And he experiences God showing up to his wife, not to him. So I want to show you healthy and unhealthy ways of reacting to God showing up, God starting to work. Because these things happen to you and to me. There's times where God wants to get our attention. He's showing up in our lives in unusual ways, and we want to deal with it in the best possible way. Okay, let me show it to you. Here's one. Here's a healthy reaction. Here's three. Healthy reactions to God showing up. Notice that the woman, which again, we don't know her name. Notice that the woman listens for accurate revelation. Do you see here in verse 6 and 7, I read this to you a moment ago, she repeats back to her husband, like word for word what God said to her. So she's, God speaks to her, and she's focused and pays attention and draws it all in so that when she says it back, she says it back accurately. This is critical if we want God to move in our lives and move on our behalf because we are uh, remarkable humans at slowly shifting and changing the facts of our lives and stories so before too long, the part that God said goes away and the part that we just added in shows up. I could show you all kinds of uh, examples of this, um, but I want to move quickly. We want to, if we want to, when God shows up, have good things happen, we must listen for accurate revelation, which means 
We must pay careful attention to read God's word, which is the primary way that he speaks to us, and interpret it accurately, not just look for it to say the things that we want it to say. It means that when people in our lives care enough, good, godly people care enough to give us advice when we ask a question, we should pay careful attention to the things that they say and actually do them. It means that when uh, we're praying, we're praying, God, would you, would you bring a new job my way? God, would you, would you bring a, a new relationship my way? God, would you help me figure out how to juggle all the things that you've entrusted to me to juggle? When you're praying and then someone is like, hey, you know, I was uh, praying for you the other day and I had this thought that we should be careful to listen because it's remarkable how often when God wants to speak, we don't actually hear what God says. We hear what we were hoping God would say. You ever get around this person? Where like they have this way of like wiping God across the stuff that they already decided to do in a way that makes it impossible to disagree with. God is never going to tell you to go against his word. God is never going to tell you to dishonor him when we want to have a healthy reaction. This is what the woman does. The angel of the Lord says X and Y and Z, and then she's like, hey, guess what? You know what God wants me to do? X and Y and Z, and we're going to find out she follows it. The second thing, uh, healthy reaction, this, we're speaking of this woman now, the second thing that she does that's beautiful in this text is she accommodates the weak. Notice it's clear that her husband is a little like weird and insecure. Notice both in verse 10 that when the angel of the Lord shows up again a second time, her first move is to run and tell her husband to try to be honoring and kind to him. Notice also in verse 23 when her husband is like, um, I just saw God go up into fire in the sky. I feel kind of scared right now. I think he's going to kill us. Notice that she doesn't say, hey, idiot, if he was going to kill us, he would have already killed it. She explains kindly with facts. Uh, accommodating the weak is a huge part of reacting to the way that God shows up. Because often when God speaks or God wants us to do something difficult or significant, other people struggle to understand or their insecurities come out. And we must be willing not only to obey God, but also to be uh, kind to those who struggle. Uh, mark this down. This is, I think, maybe the most important verses in the whole Bible for Christians in the 2020s are these two verses. This is Romans 15, 1 and 2. Romans 15, 1 and 2 says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him we are strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Here, Stephen, come on, you're in, buddy. I need you. I'm sorry. I had to go to the third row today. I wasn't feeling confident. Come on. Come on. I know. He's not here. He's not here. He got a new girlfriend. He disappeared. All right, here we go. So am I honest? Am I joking? You don't know. Uh, so uh, here's the way I want to illustrate this point. Um, have you ever had the experience, I don't know if you have, um, there's two kinds of people out there, like personal trainers or, or kind of like uh, people who do um, anything like to help you get more fit. There's two kinds. There's one person, I don't know if you've ever gone to this person before, God bless you. There's one person uh, that you can go to and they feel like their mission the first time you meet with them is to prove to you how much they know about, about God bless you, uh, about how much they know about fitness by making it impossible for you to do what they like want you to do. And then they're basically like, I'm gonna show you how unfit you are this first time. 
and you'll wake up so miserable and sore tomorrow, you'll never come back. But you'll be like, wow, that guy, he was so fit. He could do so much stuff I couldn't do. And then, uh, all right, buddy, that might be the last one we can handle. So, <laughs> so then there's a second kind of person. I don't know if you've ever been around this kind of person who doesn't have to prove to you, and I'm using you as the positive one, Stephen, who doesn't have to use to prove to you how much they know about being fit by how miserable they make you, but by giving you an amount that you can do so that you can incrementally improve. This is so obvious, but we so often miss it. This is what this verse is talking about. Do you see it now? Read it again. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the, please, with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Here's what this means. Uh, Stephen, you are, we're the same age, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a lot more fit than I am. I, I'll just give that to you. You are. You're a lot more fit. I just saw a video the other day on Instagram of you, like, chasing an Amazon driver down the street, and I was like, <laughs> that dude is running faster at almost 40 than I was running at 18. You're very fit. Now, let's just say that you and I were going to run together. What this scripture is saying is that because you're the strong one, what comes with being the strong one is an obligation to go at a pace that I can go because that's not going to please yourself. That's going to please me. And where so, you can go, where so many people of faith are failing is they think just because people in the world are weak, don't understand, don't see things clearly, have the wrong politics, don't know the Bible the way that I do, they think that that gives justification for pushing the weak person down to show how strong I am. No, 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 no. Oh, contraire, dear friend. The scripture is teaching us. That's what the woman's doing here. What the woman is doing here is saying, he doesn't really have his act together, but I don't need to point that out. Helping carry him along is part of loving God. It's a healthy reaction to God showing up. Three. This is my favorite part of what the woman does, and then I'm going to show you what the man does in a second. Look at verse 23 and 24. The wife says, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. She's been told she's going to have a son. She's been told this son is going to do great things. They've offered a burnt offering to the Lord, and then all of a sudden this like fireworks show broke out enough that it was so terrifying to them they put their faces to the ground in fear. And she just says this, God got us right here. I don't know what's going to happen after this, but I trust him. A healthy way to God, to reacting to God showing up is to trust in God with the things we don't know. Trusting God with the things we don't know, trusting God in the unknown is a huge part of dealing with, because God really often only gives us step-by-step instructions God very rarely is like, so what's going to happen is you're going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. God thrives, and you can see it all over the Bible. I can tell you from my experience, too. God almost always only gives us just what? The very next step. Here's what I need you to do. I just need you to take that medication the doctor gives you until that runs out, and then we're going to pray and figure out the next thing. And the reason why so many people are just churning around and struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling is because they want like the next four steps when all God gave is the next step. What this woman got on this day is you're going to have a son. It's going to be awesome. And and now you're scared, but I don't know. You're going to have to figure that out from here. And part of dealing with a God who works and the God that we worship is a God who works 
is being able to understand that I can't tell you what's gonna be happening in your life in 2030, and God isn't going to either. All we can do is honor him and trust him on this cold, sunny Sunday today. Are we on the same page? Now let me show you the unhealthy part, because that's gonna kind of bring it together, and we're almost done now. So the husband does four things that are problematic, and I wanna try to caution you against these. First, I see in verse 16 that the husband assumes natural reasons for supernatural events. You see it there in verse uh, 16. He says, well, like, maybe he's still acting like he's a person. Do you see it? He says, Manoah didn't know that he was the angel of the Lord. So a guy shows up and was like, hey, amazing. God's going to give you a son. God's going to give you a son. Then he, like, prays and says, God, can you bring the guy back again? And the guy shows up back again, and he's trying to bargain with him naturally He's trying to say, hey, thanks for the prophecy. Can I, can I make you lunch? Hey, can you, like, I want to, like, send a couple Instagram stories about you and tag you in them. Can you tell me your name? Can I, I want to, like, do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. He's assuming a natural reason for supernatural events. Um, we are worshiping a God today who is still doing supernatural things. What we mean when we say supernatural things is God is doing things that cannot be explained in human terms, using human math, using the spreadsheet on your computer. God is doing things that don't make sense all the time. And an unhealthy way of dealing with the God that we worship is to say, no, no, I can show it to you. It's got to be, I have to be able to explain it all for it to be God. Most often, I wonder if I can get a show of hands on this. Could you think of something, bring something to your mind? that God has brought in your path in your life that is supernatural and didn't make sense in the natural? Who could say, yeah, I mean, give me a second. I mean, I don't want to like say it out loud, but yeah, I could figure that out. Right. That's what he does here, too. Um, this is the one I really noticed. He's jealous over grateful when God blesses others. You can't miss it that the angel of the Lord is not interested in talking to Manoah. He is interested in talking to the wife. The angel of the Lord is interested in talking to the woman who's going to bear the son. And there's all over this story. We're not going to talk about it today. There's all over this story, this kind of like hint of how much this story reminds you of the story of Mary becoming pregnant with Jesus. And he's a miracle baby talking to the woman, all these things. And the husband is jealous. Well, that's not fair. Why can't this man of God be talking to me? That's not fair. Why can't this man of God be talking to me? When we're jealous over grateful when God blesses others... We're unhealthy in the way that we're reacting to God showing up. And I want to caution all of us um, today against the spirit that is so strong in our world today of comparison and the spirit in our world today that is so desirous of my own thing is the only thing that matters. Can you praise God when other people get blessed with something you would love to have for yourself? Can you praise God when God blesses other people? I was at a, my voice sounds a little hoarse yesterday. I was at a basketball uh, tournament all day yesterday, and, uh, and I was talking very constructively and joyfully to the referees, which is why I'm feeling a little hoarse. It was just, it was all, great job, fantastic call, thank you so much, was kind of my pitch. But uh, I'm in this little world a lot with my kids in this day in youth sports, and it's amazing the people that you get around who are only happy when it's their kid getting the thing. It's like, who cares? 
How often did my kid get the shot? Did my kid get the ball? Did, was there? Are they the one in the center of the picture? Did they get the most playing time? I've got my stopwatch. I'm paying attention. And, and then we're, we sort of like our parents, many of us teach us to grow up like that, and then we act like that as adults. Did you see the car she's driving? I don't know if they can afford that. I don't. Did you see that bag that she was carrying when she came to church? Like, where does she get off? That must be one of those fake ones. I don't know. And this, we get into all these things where we compare ourselves to others. And all the way down in that ugly part in our hearts that we don't like to show very often, when people get blessed in ways that we wish we were getting blessed, we're angry at them and at God that they got something we didn't get. And that is not a way for God to bless us. Here's the crazy part. Like, just zoom back for one second on this guy. Who cares who God came to talk to? They're both going to have a son. Like, the thing that they wanted is going to happen. And we're all spun down on this little part in the corner. Has this ever happened to you? Where we get all spun down in our minds on this little part in the corner that it didn't happen in the way I wanted. It didn't happen. Why did they get to find it? Why did he get to be the one who got the congratulations? What, why was her name listed before mine? Wow, she was listed before me in the email. That seems so unfair. And we get focused on these little things over here right. instead of saying, he should have been saying, We've been praying for a son, and God came to tell you we're going to have him. Praise God Almighty. Amazing. Kick up the band. We brought the trumpet to church today. Let's praise the Lord. But so often we choke out the blessings that God brings to us because we get all focused on who's getting the right biggest piece of the pie blessing. I pray something different over you and me. Two more quick. You can see here that he's striving to earn what God wants to give. He says, can I make you some lunch? Can I find out your name? Can I try to figure out how to praise you? He's doing what so many of us try to do when we approach Jesus Christ. When we approach Jesus Christ, we think, what can I do to pay you back so I can feel like things are even, Stephen? And the great news of the gospel, I can't wait for Friday. I hope you'll be here. It's going to be like the kids say, a banger. And I can't wait. for. Did I do that right? I think... Okay, yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, I can't wait for Sunday. We're going to praise the Lord and the resurrection. It's going to be awesome. And the great news of the whole thing, dear friend, do you know today that there is nothing that you can do to earn what Jesus Christ already gave to you? It doesn't matter how big of a check you put in that box on your way out. Feel free. We could use it. That would be awesome. But there is nothing that you can put in that box that's going to make God be like, oh, well, I guess, I guess it was even. Wow, 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 with that. With that offer, wow, you prayed quite a lot this morning. You know what that was worth? The blood of my son? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. But then we, because we're used to transactional relationships, we got over to our relationship with Jesus and we're like, well, okay, I'll like read my Bible double tomorrow. Maybe that'll like kind of make up for that person I flipped off on the highway. And maybe that'll, no, okay, okay, no, no, yeah, no, no. Neither. I'm the one getting flipped off. I, that's coming at me. I'm not the one doing it, but... We get into these ways of thinking like it's a bargaining game. And it pollutes the thing. The great news of the good news of Jesus Christ is it is a free gift that was offered. There was nothing about, you don't see it in the text, this woman and Manoah were not special. There was nothing about their fervency of faith or beauty of dedication that God was like, they're the top of the class, they've earned it. They're the top of the class, they've earned it. No, it was just a free gift. God just said, you know what? Him. You know what? Her. I'm going to give them this incredible blessing. 
that this thing that they've been praying for is going to happen? Not because they did like literally anything good to earn it, just because I'm good and I already earned it. And when we strive in our mindsets, in our hearts, to earn what God wants to give, it pollutes the thing that he wants to give. And then the last thing he does, you guys can come now, we're going to sing in just a second, we're almost done. The last thing that uh, Manoah does in this story is he fears the future over trusting God with it. This happens all the time. I just want to read this part of the text. It's amazing. So it says, the angel of the Lord, verse 21, it, uh, he appeared no more to them. And right before that, what it says is that, so they did this burnt offering. They brought out a goat, uh, and they offered a goat on an altar. And as the smoke went up to God, it says that the angel went up in the flame of the altar while Manoah and his wife were watching. So just try to picture that. He's like standing there, and while the smoke is going up, it's like his body kind of, it sounds like his body, like he went from being body to spirit again. And all of a sudden, he disappeared like a ghost in front of them as this big fire rose up. And it says that they were so scared by the glory power of God right there. They couldn't do anything but fall on their faces. It's always funny to me. You know, people have that thing they say. They're like, when I get to heaven, I've got a few things I'm going to tell God. It's like, well, anytime people meet God, they're like so terrified they can't even look at my eyes. You're probably just going to have your mouth shut, which is cool. I'm pumped on that. When I meet God, I'm going to have a whole bunch of things I'm never going to say or think about again because I am going to be so in awe of his glory and goodness and just astonished that he was willing to save a sinner like me. would be a better thing to say. Try that one next time. (laughs) And the guy's like, God shows up with a special message for him. And then they see God's glory. And his instinct is like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. And the wife is like, what? He was going to kill us. Like, what? He could have just killed us. So you, you're, you're thinking in your mind, Manoah, what you're thinking. She's very nice. I said this a moment ago. She's very nice. But what she's saying is, so what you're thinking is, the angel of the Lord came to earth, came and talked to us. Then, because you were all, like, weird and jealous, he, like, came back again. And then after telling us we're going to have a son and getting us all excited, the whole thing was like a double cross, and now he's just going to, like, put us to the ground dead? What does it reveal? It's so obviously foolish when you say it out loud. It reveals that our sinful hearts have such a disposition towards fearing the future that the moment that Jesus isn't in front of him anymore, he starts getting afraid again. He starts thinking that the thing that came to heal him is going to harm him. And I wonder how many people today, we're finishing here, our time is gone. I wonder how many people today, God is working in your life, but your Fear in what you see him doing, what you see him unfolding in front of you, is making you resent it, run from it, lean away from it, be nervous about it, rather than stand in front of it with joy and awe and walk the path that he has laid out in front of you. I wonder how many people that are like, I don't know where this is leading, so I'm just like not really going to go. I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Here's the great news. You're never going to know. So, like, you're not going to know at this step, and then you're going to take this other step, and then you're still not going to know, and then you're going to take this other step, and I only have one more because then I'll hit the, the trumpet player, but then you, then you got one more step, and you're still not going to know, and you're still not going to know, and you're still not going to know, and you're still not going to know. And God just gives us that one step, one step, one step, one step at a time. So, if He's working, Amen, sister. If He's working, 
Don't get bogged down in the fear of not knowing where it's going. Say what this woman said. He got me right here. So if he got me right here, how can I have faith? He's going to get me right there and right there and right there and right there. He got me right here. So if he got me right here, he's going to get me right there. If he got me right here, he's going to get me right there. If he got me right here, he's going to get me right there. So when God is working, I'm going to do my very best to trust him enough to say, even when I don't see it, you're working? Even when I can't feel it, that's a cue. Come on, you're working. You, 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 don't, you, you're not, you just keeps on. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. He's working. I don't know where I'm going, but I know he's going to take me there. Anybody honest enough to say, before we sing in just a moment, anybody honest to say, yeah, I'm there. Anybody honest enough to say, I got some steps. He's working. Anybody honest enough to say, why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to sing before we go. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.